0: what's up everybody welcome back to a new episode of the antler up podcast we are on episode 67 and on today's episode dimitri and i sit down and have a conversation with vortex optics own mark boardman you can catch mark on the vortex nation podcast and being active on their instagram page and in this episode mark shares information for the deer hunter looking for the right pair of binos to have in the Whitetail Woods, what people should look for in this set, and some other Vortex products. This is a laid-back and fun episode with Mark. We hope you enjoy it too. Sit back and enjoy the episode. Till next time, antler up. And before we get into the episode, I want to thank our partners over at Shea Butler Knives. And Shea makes those custom everyday carry knives from the Rhino in the Pursuit. And he also makes some awesome outdoor hunting knives as well for the hunter. And we have the whitetail knife. He has some new ones coming out like the Featherlight. Be on the lookout. It's going to be priced perfectly for individuals. So all... With his creativity the high quality materials the functionality his unique designs with the precise leather work makes for products that will last a lifetime awesome individual and for what he and his family have going on so check out chaybutlernives.com also want to thank our partners over at america's best Bowstrings. not only go ahead and order yourself a set of strings that are custom made to your liking you got the platinum premium Series strings, those are two, are, are their top two, with the platinum being what we use currently. Love them, absolutely love them, and also some new gear is going to be coming out from them as well. So, check that out. They're awesome shirts, super, super soft. Loving them as well. So, check them out over at America's Best Bowstrings.com. And last but not least, want to thank our partners over at Tethered again. Like I talked about, I've used. The Phantom Saddle and the Predator XL platform this past hunting season, absolutely loved it. Comfort, functionality, everything was just, it blew my mind. I don't see myself going back to a stand uh, anytime soon, but if you are on the fence or you're looking to try it out and try even just Tether's products, if you're in the Philly area, come check out uh, what we have going on at the Teach and Train Tour over at Cloverleaf Archery Club, May 15th. Go ahead and register. It's free. Make sure you do so pretty soon because we need to get that headcount for how much food to have. We got prizes. We got special guests coming. Some really, really awesome stuff down the pipeline from Tethered. So check out tethernation.com. Thank you, everybody, for your continued support. It means a lot. For- to us a couple weeks hopefully we'll be meeting you and uh uh, on the mountain over at total archery challenge at seven Springs. so enjoy this episode thanks again mark for coming on check out vortex optics uh till next time everybody hey man welcome thank you for coming on the podcast we are joined tonight by mark boardman with vortex optics mark man thank you for coming on
1: no, oh, man, I appreciate you having me. This
0: is awesome. No, man, I, I've been excited to have have someone on representing with Vortex. Like I said to you just before we went live, it's, uh, it's a company and and some products that Dimitri and I have been trusting for quite a few years. And, you know, at the heat of the moment, there's nothing in, uh, you know, you you got to have that right equipment. And uh, Vortex has been part of that ride for the last few years for us. So uh, it's an honor to have someone on and, and you know, coming from you. And thank you so much. Mark, man. So Wisconsin, that's where we're, we're living right now. That's where Vortex Optics is coming from. Uh, man, you look at the company, it's been going on family owned for since 1986. And Vortex started right around what, 2002, I believe?
1: Yeah, no, you nailed it. So yeah, I mean, definitely kind of a, a storied history. And I think a, a long time spent in that optics arena, but yeah, Vortex was kind of born around that, that O2 frame, And And, uh, you know, I guess, uh, over that period of time, you you see where, where it is today. So,
0: yeah, I mean, you can't go anywhere looking on social media or on TV or, you know, on YouTube and a lot of people are using it. So this is good stuff, man. Well, you know, talk a little bit about yourself, Mark, what, like, what role do you play at Vortex? I know with the podcast and everything like that. So, you know, if you want to dive into a little bit, what your day in and day out is, and, you know, and also what you, what else you
1: got going on? So yeah, no. Well, number one, man, appreciate you guys and appreciate the support and you using the products like that's always super cool to you know meet people that have been been using this stuff for a while and have you know experiences to share and stuff like that like you guys have so that that's awesome. But um, yeah, a little bit about myself. Lifelong outdoorsman. Um, and I think that's, you know, shaped, shaped my career path in life. Um, I'm I'm originally from Washington, Washington state. So grew up, you know, hunting, um, you know, black tails and Roosevelt elk and fishing for salmon and steelhead. So that was kind of like my core background, uh, growing up, uh, finished up school at WSU and, and just knew that, you know, I needed to have the outdoors be as much of part of my life as possible. So kind of pursued, you know, jobs that, you know, gravitated that way. So I had a, you know, I worked at a Norvis fly shop for a short stint, worked at a really killer outdoor store, um, in downtown Seattle called outdoor Emporium, which was, you know, they had, you know, Marine department, fishing department, hunting department is really, really cool shop. Um, a buddy of mine from back in Washington had gone, had gone to work for Cabela's, uh, at their corporate headquarters in Sydney, Nebraska. And he was like, Oh, dude, you should come out. And I was like, I don't know, man, I don't think I'm gonna leave the coast, you know? And he's like, no, I think you should do it. So anyway, long story short, ended up, there was a copywriter for a number of years, ended up in, in the marketing brand management department, doing media relations. And then, uh, yeah, you know, got the op, I was there for about seven years, got the opportunity at vortex to kind of stay in that media relations role. Um, And then eventually that evolved into what I'm doing today, which is mostly on the content side, like, like you guys right now. So co-host a podcast with, uh, uh, Jim in the office. We have a ton of fun doing that. And that's just been a, just a really, really cool experience. I mean, I'm sure, you know, much like you guys, you get to talk and learn from so many great people. Um, and it's really, um, broadened you know I guess you know my outdoor experience that's something that i that I really like to focus on is doing new things and learning new things and I may not be the best at a lot of things, but I guess I know at least a little bit about a lot of things so yeah.
2: Hey man, we feel the same way. Yeah. And anyone that follows your Instagram page knows you guys like to have a lot of fun in the office (laughs) and you know, it's always enjoyable to see people enjoy what they do. And you know, you always have that, that cooking with the, the toaster oven, which is always hilarious on, on some days. So, you know, can definitely tell a lot about your company through your page.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're, we're super blessed. I mean, um, just, just a great, great group of people, you know, people that are, that are super passionate about the outdoors and hunting and shooting and and just really experts in so many facets. And, and, you know, we definitely take, our job serious, but I guess we don't take ourselves too serious. So uh, yeah, we definitely have you know we make room to have some fun around the office. I actually um, I, I, I reek of coffee today. We're uh, creating a little bit of content around some of our new apparel that has stain release. So uh, Catherine in the uh, in the social media department said, "Hey, I got this idea. We should do some reels." Uh, you know, and of course I'm a little bit older than Catherine. She's like, "Mark, do you know what a reel is?" I'm like, "Yes, Catherine, I know what a reel is." <laughs> um, and so she's like, "Well, here's the idea. We're gonna." do this and that, and the other, and we spill coffee all over you. And I'm like, oh yeah, no, Catherine, that's an excellent, so anyway, long story <laughs> short, we did that today, and I have not showered yet, so I smell like coffee. <laughs>
0: nice. Well, you know, you talked about, too, having fun and ha- like doing the podcast side of thing. That's the one thing I think anytime we talk, whether it be people we work with, friends, family, some other guests, and we come on and we say, this is the one time during the week, maybe two times, three times if we're really lucky we get a chance to talk to individuals like yourself and have fun and you know learn just because we we claim we we're we're no pros we are not you know we're just trying to learn and bring it out to you know hopefully some individuals in pennsylvania or wherever else that you know we have listeners and whatever we could do to broaden out some topics and you know get some cool messages out that's that's what means the most to us just because you know, we're people, you know, people, people, and, uh, we just want to talk hunting and, and enjoy it.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, it's completely self-serving. You know, I mean, uh, <laughs> I can just, I need the help.
0: Yeah. <laughs> How about it? No, man. That, that's awesome. Well, Mark, let's get into a little bit. Uh, you know, what, what was, uh, your past hunting season like this past year and, uh, what do you have coming up in the spring? Anything going on?
1: Man. Yeah. I mean, I I had a super fun fall, uh, did, did a lot of hunting this last fall. Um, Jim and I actually, uh, did, uh, kind of like, uh, uh, created some content around a doe antelope hunt in Wyoming. So we, we got some doe tags and actually, I guess the second draw, um, which was pretty skinny. There weren't a lot of tags left. So we drew a unit that, um, had very very limited uh, public land, but we were we were able to go out there, have a good time, scraped uh, scraped a couple does up. Um, I think we ended up killing three. Uh, and it was, that was super fun hunt. Um, hunted blacktails back home with my dad and my brother nice. had, had an awesome week out there, saw a ton of deer. Um, it was odd though. Like, I think I saw probably 40 deer in a week of hunting. Uh, and I think the, fr- I think actually the first year that I saw was a buck it was just a little, a little, spike buck. And I was like, Oh, I'm not going to shoot him on the first day. Uh, and that was, that was the only buck I saw. So, which was kind of, um, I mean we definitely saw enough deer to see a good buck you know but right. uh that was just it was a little skinny. Do you, do you have a chance to go back
0: home usually every year to hunt with your dad?
1: Yeah, I, I try to get back home like once a year to do kind of like a family, you know, hunting trip and yeah. sometimes um we but uh, you know, we'll we'll chase Roosevelt's with the bow. Uh the last couple of years we've rifle hunted blacktails. Uh, this year, I think we might try and muzzle load elk, so at least that's that's the plan uh, right now. But we'll see we'll see how it shakes out. But yeah, definitely try to get back home. You know, I mean, I think everybody likes home. I always say that. You know, and that's kind of um, it. Just feels good. And of course, you know, family and, and hunting with your family that's that's super important uh, to me as well. So
0: yeah, absolutely. Like Dimitri's uh, born and raised here, where we currently live in Central Pennsylvania, and I'm from Eastern, uh, like Northeast area. So I always get a chance to go home a couple weekends and hunt with my dad and uh you know i i feel like he's he uh he will actually be getting some new knees <laughs> in, <laughs> this year so he's last year put a really hurting on him and you know he got a new bow he was looking so much like looking forward to, to hunting as much as he he could and you know it was difficult for him and i knew it bothered him a lot so he uh i think it's the third weekend here in pennsylvania for turkey season when he has like that week of uh when it's scheduled so he's like well I haven't really had much luck after the second week. So he's going to hammer out those first two weeks, uh, to try to get a bird just cause he loves going Turkey hunting. So, uh, hopefully he he's able to get one, but yeah, same here, man. I, I always love getting home and having a chance to hunt with him. And, uh, just, just because it's uh, a thing we used to do when I was younger and, uh, I've talked about it before. And right now it, it's, it, it's our one little thing where I I would, would I would give anything up just to go home and, and hunt with my dad any any chance I could get?
1: Yeah, man. I mean, it's 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 easy to to get caught up in a lot of things in life, you know. And then you kind of start boiling it down. And I guess, unfortunately, I think oftentimes you realize some of the stuff that as you get older as well. Yeah. But uh, yeah, man, when you when you boil down what's important, it's it's definitely at least to me, it's it's stuff like that for sure. So, yeah.
0: How, uh, any uh, spring trips coming up?
1: So yeah, um, actually, yeah, I'll leave here in a little bit. So definitely gonna chase turkeys. Like you said, man, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything more fun than, than chasing turkeys. So, um, be, uh, we'll be doing that. I'll probably have a couple tags here in Wisconsin and then I'm heading up, uh, heading North. So I'm uh, heading up to, uh, Southeast Alaska with some buddies and we're going to get chase bears around for a week. So really, really excited about that trip. Um, man, you know what I mean? Southeast Alaska, like I said, I'm from, you know, Western Washington. So that's, you know, like almost like, I mean, that's just the coast to yeah. the next level. So it's, <laughs> um, it's a beautiful, beautiful, special place up there. And it's just, that's so, just so rich with game and fish. And so, uh, we're planning a pretty, will we'll hopefully be a pretty grand adventure up there. Gonna, um, gonna try and fish for steelhead, gonna try and salmon fish, gonna try and free dive for sea cucumbers, crab shrimp, and nice. you know, chase, chase bears around. So it should be hopefully, fingers crossed, pretty, pretty epic. Yeah. That sounds, sounds pretty awesome.
2: Now are you getting dropped in or are you gonna kind of have a base camp or?
1: So, yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely a few ways a person can do that trip. Um, so the guys that i'm going with are actually two guys from um i mean they're buddies of mine but they actually host the outdoor line radio show out of downtown or out of seattle uh and then rob um, is uh, a fishing guide up on prince of wales uh all summer long so he's actually up there like he just got up there just a little bit ago so he's got yeah i mean he's got like a 30 foot aluminum saltwater boat so yeah we're gonna uh, flying to catch a can take the little plane over to the island and then take his boat and, uh, you know, get to a remote part of the Island and, and then make a base camp and then hunt from there. Um, we'll have a little skip on the boat. And so that's kind of like, you know, take the big boat to get where you need to go. And then you can tootle around right. and, you know, beach it, to you know, chase bears if you spot them or get back into some different salt chucks and bays with the little boat that you can't really with the big boat. Nice, man. That sounds fun
2: that's gonna be an awesome trip so yeah it's
1: like I've been literally like can't stop thinking about it for a year now so
0: good for you man best of luck to you when you head out there that sounds awesome sounds like sounds like a dream
1: (laughs) it it is man and I always say you know you talk to so many folks you know I mean I think Alaska is one of those places that comes up and they're like oh man you know you know one time in my life I'm gonna go up there and I just always say, go now, go now, because if you, if you do it, you're just, you're going to make time to do it again, uh, hopefully as many times as you can. Um, it's, I mean, it's definitely logistically complex. It's definitely expensive. I mean, it's a pain in the, you know, what to get wherever you're going, but man, it is such a special place.
0: What's crazy too, you brought up that I, I, a lot of people, that maybe haven't had the opportunity to hunt out of state or make a big long trip i think that's the best thing even no matter where it is that we did the same thing for the last year uh when we went out to utah it was kind of that whole thing i remember always saying man i really want to go chase mule deer i want to go elk hunting i want to do this and it's a lifelong dream of mine and finally we just said we're doing it next year no ends if that's about it and we did it and it it's not that hard. (laughs) Like the hunting's hard, but the planet and come up with things, there's thousands of different articles and people you could talk to and podcast and what have it. And, uh, I, I think more people had could get out there and do it
1: for sure. You know, and like you said, there's so many amazing resources and good podcasts out there. I mean, dude, I, I mean, I listen to them all the time, right. Just trying to pick up information and then, and then like what you guys did though, and then just go, yeah, just go just because go. that, I mean, you just learn so much. I mean, you're just, there's just, there's just things that you can't get until you go, you know, yeah. like you. It's just it's just the way it is. But that's part of the fun too. You get there, you figure it out, you know, and then hopefully you're successful. And if you're not, you're probably pretty darn motivated and have a leg up for next year. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Well, that's what I even think of whether your excuse is kids or money. I think once you do that first trip, you you finally see like, hey, this is attainable. I can do this, maybe not on a yearly basis, but every other year or every third year. And and after that first time, you really figure out how you can make it work and, and after that i'm sure we've only done one trip But i feel like if i've done two or three then each time i would feel like it's getting easier and easier to even just plan these trips and, yeah. and accomplish them
1: yeah mm-hmm. no for sure i mean you nailed it and, and you can do it i mean there, there's no question that it's going to cost money right i mean right. like even just like a deer elk tag nowadays and obviously deer elk tag i mean they're they're getting up there right, right. but uh, you make a few sacrifices, you know, and you can, you can be frugal and you can do it on the cheap and you can drive and you can camp and, you know, you can make sandwiches and you, you know, I don't know. it, it I'd say it's worth the sacrifice yeah. for sure.
0: It was the fastest 28 hour drive I've ever been on. I'll tell you that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> from Pennsylvania to Utah, man, it was the fastest 28 hours. Well, that
1: That is a poke, man. Yeah. yeah that, that's a grinder for sure.
2: Well, that's what I was talking with a patient actually today and uh, saying how driving out was more uh, satisfactory for me than it would have been flying. I mean, I know flying a couple hours, we would have been there, uh, which would have been great for scouting before the season opened up. But, you know, just that drive out there. I mean, you got, you know, we're from Pennsylvania, so we're kind of seeing the Appalachian Mountains, and then we go into the Midwest, and we're seeing all the cornfields, and then you get over to past nebraska into wyoming and then you start to see in the mountains again and just seeing the difference in in the country of what there is out there because you you listen to these podcasts or videos and you see people hunting in the midwest or out west and just to kind of grasp that concept of how different each of these regions are is just amazing
1: yeah oh no man yeah yeah and then you know you pass all these places on the way out and you're like oh i should maybe hunt that sometime you know looking at your digital mapping
0: software like oh that was public we should hit that yeah what state are we in yep when we uh when we were in utah and we were driving to a new spot we saw a tank of a pronghorn Mm -hmm. oh my gosh
2: and he ran right on the public yeah (laughs) (laughs) so drop that pin and we were like if we ever come back This is an area, I mean, a tank, our buddy Tim was just like, holy
0: cow. And I mean, it it was a, it was beautiful, beautiful.
1: That is awesome. That is so cool, man. Well,
0: well, dude, man, that leads us into, man, we haven't even gone into optics. This is fun. This is, (laughs) this is great. Uh, You know, we talked about traveling all over the world and doing all kinds of fun stuff. And we're going to have some optics. You're going to have some optics on, you and obviously some vortex, Uh, just quick rundown. Just so that way you kind of know, and you can reference it, it on you know whether you could tell a story or help out a listener i am running the diamondback hd's uh 10 by 42s i have the ranger 1800 uh rangefinder Friggin' awesome unbelievable you guys i and the fact that i'll even I'll, i'm going to hold on to that one Dimitri has the 10 by 50s and then we both have crossfire 2s on our uh you have it on your 30 odd six. 30 odd six. And I have it on my 257 Weatherby. Um, but man, I'll, I'll tell you what, the fact that I know I only have the Diamondback HDs, I, I had a que- The only th- question that I wrote down, and I guess we could get into this now because it will, it could kind of set us up. You guys talk about, you hear the term quality glass gets thrown out there. You know, I know if, when we were doing the whole Western kind of topic, the man, you got to go with good quality glass quality glass, quality glass, and I'm, I'm, I'm into photography, and I know there's a difference between a $300 lens compared to the $2,000 lens, you know, they're more than the bodies anymore, it's crazy, however, uh, the fact that you guys have something better than these Diamondback HDs is just blow, I, I haven't had a chance to meet someone that has the razors and all that type of stuff, I haven't had a chance to really hold them in my hands yet, but the fact that you guys do is, is phenomenal, just because of how much, we love them because I use the 10 by 42s out West in Utah just because I, I wanted to do all something. So they're perfect in the whitetail woods. At, you know, obviously where we, we hunt, we're in thick stuff, but they're still, they're perfect. You know, could I get away with eight by 32s? I'm sure I can, but at the same time, these do it all. I put them up on my tripod when I was out West, I got the attachment from, from Vortex to throw them on. I was, I was money. You know what I mean? Um, So when you talk about glass, like how do you, what, what, what for, for a newbie or someone just looking into it, you know, how, where, where, where do you start?
1: You know, I mean, I think we're, I think where you guys are right now, you know, I think that's a great place to start. Um, you know, if we're going to stick with binoculars, you yeah. know, the 10 by 42 in my opinion is probably one of the most versatile configurations out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you can, you know, it's great for the whitetail woods and then boom, you know, you go out to Utah, Arizona and, and I mean, I mean, you, you just, uh, your, your leg up too that. You got the tripod adapter and threw them on a tripod for an open landscape Western hunt, because that is just, gonna put you light years ahead of handheld glassing um so yeah i'd say start right there and 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 we're super fortunate these days i mean with really all types of gear and technology yeah. you know those diamondback 10 by 42s you know i think they retail for you know approximately 230 dollars. like that's you know it's 230 dollars, but the performance that you're getting for that 230 dollars is is it's really yeah it's really monumental and you can you can do a lot with it and and, uh, I think it's all, um, I mean, are, are there better binoculars out there? Certainly. Yeah. We, we, we make some of them. Right. Uh, but you can do a heck of a lot of work with a binocular in, in at that level, or, or even, I always tell the story, you know, Jim and I were in Arizona, I think two Januarys ago now hunting coos deer and we were with a guy and he had the, uh, the crossfire, I think, 12 by fifties. And he was putting up those things on a tripod and, you know, glassed up coos deer a thousand yards away. You know, oh, there's one, there's one, there's one, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's less expensive than the diamondbacks. Right. So you can, you can do, you can definitely do some work with, uh, you know, a lesser expensive bino, but there's definitely pluses to You know as you go up in price you're getting a you know an overall higher level of performance higher optical quality clarity resolution color fidelity i mean there's there's a lot of pluses there you know less eye strain uh you know it's gonna be more pleasant to look through for extended periods but you you don't have to
2: with my previous pair of binoculars it was just you know a different competitor and they were a little bit cheaper of a of a price and and 10 by 42s and you know when and also I want to say thanks for, for vortex who gave uh healthcare workers 40% off during the pandemic. So I took advantage of that myself, um, being a physical therapist yeah. and grabbed the 10 by fifties for when we were going out West. So it kind of worked out as perfect timing. Um, but when we got out there and then we started glassing, I just, you know, the, the quality I was amazed by, and yeah. I couldn't imagine having those other set of binoculars. I would have been miserable the whole week we were there. Um, and just the, clarity of of those uh 10 10 by 50s and again they were a little bit lower price but i mean geez i was just um, amazed by by that quality
1: yeah i think i think you know i mean binoculars and like i I always caveat things it's like yeah i I sit in my board check vortex chair i work for an optics company right? right but man i mean optics in general are such a game changer in, uh, you know, to, to, to have in your optics kit, you know, a quality set of optics and you know, th- the better optics you have, the more you want to use them. And they're such an effective tool. I mean, if you've got something that you don't enjoy looking through or it's not comfortable or it's not clear, or you can't really see that good anyway, you, you're just not going to want to use it. So, but if you get something good, I mean, it can like literally change your hunting life. Yeah
0: yeah no and that's you know you talked about the binos i remember like i was saying as a kid i didn't use them just because it wasn't hey you know my dad we just used the scopes whenever we were going out and i think back to even bow hunting cuz man my favorite hunting one of my favorite hunting memories is the first white white-tailed deer I ever shot with a bow I was 12 or 13 years old and uh you know I talked about it a couple weeks ago when when I first shot I didn't feel my legs and my feet hit on the tree stand it was just one of those moments man <laughs> I'll never forget and ever since then I've been chasing that feeling every time I go hunting and uh but even when I you know I'm 33 right now I'll be 34 in June when I got back into serious hunting after life started slowing down for me with my family I was probably about 25 again Um, so it took you know I was I was up and down you know and then it was like I that moment when I know I needed the outdoors I know I needed the hunting uh, in back in my life and just changed my life honestly that first year I remember I bought my myself a new bow and I go back home hunting with my dad I'm in a tree stand and Uh, we're up on a mountain and a nice beautiful buck comes and i remember going uh i think that's about 35 so i should use that third pin and i shot right underneath this buck and i just remember just going oh my gosh i recall my dad and my dad's like you what what happened i told him the story and i said uh yeah my next paycheck i'm buying a (laughs) rangefinder." (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and he's like yeah that, i think i think that will that will do you good and i said yeah and uh i forget which vortex one he had i mean this is a couple of years ago now but uh but yeah so that's that's what kind of changed you know from that moment on i was like okay it went it went from a rangefinder to ah, oh, man uh what what how many points are on that that buck how many points if i had you know what i mean and like yeah a rangefinder brings it to you but the binos really bring it to you and that's what kind of one thing snowballed and uh you know in the white tail woods man you got to be especially where certain states have certain laws where uh you know for us it needs to be what 3 3 on one side 3 on one side you got to know what you're you're shooting at
1: you know yeah for sure you know and and the the sooner that you can figure that out right, right. you know like the better you can plan the better the better, then you don't have to think about that anymore right right, right. so um no that that's good yeah and I think I think Miss Bucks have have sold more rangefinders than than any <laughs> marketing ever could. <laughs> yeah how
0: about it man no so that's uh you know you talked about too what, so what what is your opinion being from Wisconsin big time whitetail state you know how 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 has uh like when people ask about binos in the whitetail woods like what like, what kind of what do you hear? Do you hear more people say eh, you don't need them or I, I love them? I have them on me all the time. Like what? Like what's one like what's your preference? And then two, like, how could you sell? I mean, obviously, you work for Vortex and you want people to have have some in there. But like, you know, just like what's your opinion on that?
1: Man, I tell you what, you know, like, so like you, you know, I grew up, I didn't have binoculars growing up. We rifle hunted. And uh, so I had my rifle scope. You know, if I saw a deer, you know, you have the gun up and you know, whatever. But um, I I think it's something that that's overlooked. I think in, in landscapes where you can't see as far um, it's kind of, uh, it, it kind of tricks you into thinking that, that you don't, that you don't need. Oh, I can. You know, I'm only shooting 100 yards, or I can only see you know 300 yards, you know, or 500 yards if you're in an egg egg situation or something like that. Um, but man, man, they they are an asset. You know, a situation like that that you're saying or low light scenario. Uh, you know, I can think of actually one of my first years in Wisconsin. I actually uh, I was sitting in a box blind and I was getting ready to to leave and I'm like ah you know I'm gonna I'm gonna glass this field uh, one more time. And I think I had a pair of uh, Viper HDs and I threw, I threw them up and it was kind of, it was like darker in the, in the box blind. And, and it was kind of like making it, I guess, appear darker, darker. outside. But anyway, so I, I threw them up and like 200 yards away, there's a two point standing right in front of me. Right. I could not see him like with the naked eye, you know, it was waning shooting light. In fact, it was probably just a little bit after shooting light. So I wouldn't have shot anyway, but like, that was like a pretty dramatic um, experience where I was like, Holy mackerel. Like, these things, these things are impressive, you know, and I go back to my early days of hunting where I wasn't really utilizing optics. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like <laughs> what, what did I miss? Like, I have no, i like, it's almost like haunts me the things that you probably missed or walked right by, or just didn't see that what, you know, if you just had a good set of optics, you would have glassed them right up. So, yeah. Um, and I think, you know, another thing in the, in those closer quarters scenarios, you know, let's say in a still hunting situation or something like that, um, your, your depth of field is changed so much when you use office, you kind of get, you know, like the, the, the timber or something can appear like it almost creates a wall and you just can't see through it. And then all of a sudden you put your, your binos up and you can, you can see through it. You can see into it. You can spot, you know, those little details where like, Holy mackerel, there's a deer there. I need to slow down or I need to stop or I need to wait, or maybe I need to call. Um, and you can do that in the tree stand as well. So yeah, I think it's, a, I think it's definitely a misconception. Um, how big of an asset optics can be. And I think people are limiting themselves a little bit, even on, even on the rifle scope side as well. Um, you know, I mean, you you can definitely like, you know, a three to nine or a four to 12 or something like that. Realistically that probably will do absolutely everything you need it to do. But, if you go you know if you get a, an optic that's maybe purpose built for dialing elevation and you go through the process of getting your ballistic data and and you know what you need to dial to execute a long range shot because you've got a good range finder because you've got the Fury HD with the with the applied ballistic on board you know with that solver on board so you know you click that range and it's going to say hey you need to dial you know 10.5 MOA or however many mills because having those assets can can create scenarios where all of a sudden a buck that's out in a a cut cornfield and he's tending a doe and there's no way to get closer, but he's, you know, maybe four or five, 600 yards away. Instead of going, well, this is a lost cause. You might just be able to lay down and kill him. Yeah.
2: Well, that's what I even know with my rangefinder from a previous company. Uh, there would be times in the in the morning and, and when it got light enough where I could use my rangefinder, I would kind of try to mark trees, and then that way I would kind of have an idea. That way, if I did, if it was kind of walking by that tree, I, I wouldn't have to pull it out and try to, you know, range the deer exactly. That way I would get away with a little less movement in the tree. But there'd be times on a cloudy day where it was an hour after light and I'm trying to use my rangefinder to mark these trees and it still won't process because, you know, there's not enough light coming through and it won't even range, uh, these trees. And I, I just remember being in the tree and panicking, like if, if a deer comes, you know, Um, I think we come a little bit reliant on the the rangefinder sometimes, but I mean, we want to be in the most ethical that we can be when we're in that tree, especially, you know, whatever we're, we're hunting. And so I I remember sitting up there and panicking and thinking, oh man, if something comes by now, you know, I might be screwed a little bit. And then that just goes to to show you that having quality glass is going to make a big difference hold in the button and, and range all the way across on that Ranger 8, 1800 is just
0: sweet I mean honestly like like Dimitri said when I mean coming from looking through other people's you know other individuals rangefinder and and seeing what what the Ranger 1800 you know provides I mean hands down for 400 bucks uh, that is like one of like you were saying you know if how did we make it without rangefinders in years past That is the one piece of equipment where i i I wouldn't want to skip skip on i'm so happy with that just because it's kind of like the binos and like talk about to mark the low light the importance of low light uh like with your binos and rangefinders just because again just using the the ranger 1800 using the diamondback hds they're phenomenal with the low light like i could attest to what you even said about being in the blind because i remember during the rut dimitri that one day when it was foggy I don't know if that was like the Saturday when it was just like chaotic. It was that little bit of fog when I saw, you know, where I was, deer were, this buck was just like falling over big deadfall, going nuts, chasing these does. And I remember what my, I mean, this deer was, I had two doe near me early on and all I saw was still their shadow silhouette. And I put up my binos and I saw them clear as day. And I knew I'm like, okay, there's two doe. Like I just wanted to make sure one wasn't a buck and, something was going to happen like mark it was clear as day i was like okay light dark light dark and it was it was it was crazy
1: yeah i mean yeah there's no question that that that's going to help you and i mean there's there's certain things that like they're not that you're not going to be able to over, overcome right. like i mean like you know if you're talking about fog uh with a rangefinder you know some units are definitely going to do better than others you know across all brands. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. fog is a tricky one with lasers, man. I mean, you're, I mean, that is essentially a physical thing that you're trying to punch that through. And if the fog is dense enough, like it probably it may not work. Right. Yeah, right. Um, but, uh, but definitely some will do better than others. Um, I know like, you know, in our lineup, the, um, the razor 4,000, you know, does really well in like inclement weather. Like, I mean, I wouldn't say it's, uh, you know, it's fog proof, but it's not, uh, you know, like it's not you know, if it's, if you got PC fog, you know, it's going to, you know, any, any laser is going to have some difficulty there, but you probably aren't going to be able to see the animal either. Right. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it, 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 it can definitely help and, 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 uh, you know, uh, you'll be able to see more than you would without them, you know, like on the bino side for sure. Right.
0: Now we were talking earlier about how we like I use the ten by forty twos obviously here in Pennsylvania and I use them out in Utah. Is there a like a size that you like I know you talked about like yeah I'd start out the ten by forty twos. Is that kind of like a universal, you know, recommendation that that you really kind of go for if you're trying to do hunt, you know, obviously whitetail woods and come out west like the occasional, like even if it's once a year and um you know, or do you say, Hey, if you know you're doing a yearly trip, do you offer or not? I mean, I know you offer, but like, do you say, Hey, maybe that's when in two years save up and and get a spotting scope or something like that?
1: You know, it's, it's, it's really hunt dependent. You know, if I was, if I was going to say like, you know, like, you know, one optic configuration to, you know, quotation mark, do it all. Yeah. Yeah. I'd probably go with that 10 by 42 or that 10 by 50. If I was, only hunting whitetails in the Midwest, I maybe would go with like an eight by 42 or an eight by 50, something like that, just because I'm not generally looking those further distances and with that larger exit pupil with the lower magnification and the larger uh, objective diameter, um, you know, you're going to get a little bit better, better low light performance, which can can be uh, an asset. And And sometimes it's actually that extra magnification depending on the scenario, can be kind of a detractor, right? Sometimes it's nice to have magnification, but not as much magnification when you're in those, those closer quarters scenarios. Yeah. Um, That said, man, if I was going to buy one bino, it'd probably be a 10 by 42. And and they really do perform so well as an all purpose binocular in a variety of landscapes from, you know, Pennsylvania to Arizona, to Utah, you can just, you can do a lot of work with, with a 10 power binocular. Um but, You know, that said though, a 12 by 50 is, Definitely one of my favorites, right? That's what like, Tim. That's was, what Tim had. Yeah.
2: Well, now talking about that, I know when when we were preparing, and I was actually looking into buying binos. You know, I was kind of on that fence of, of twelve by fifty versus ten by fifty for going out west, and and maybe you know there were so many arguments of whether forums or you know where you were looking of. You know, cause you want to buy the right thing and, and what's going to be best for you. And, and some people like the 12 by fifties and some people like the 10 by fifties, just because you're not going to see as much of that hand movement if you don't have a, a tripod. So maybe you can give some light of, of what you would suggest of why you would go for one versus the other.
1: So, so yeah, you know, I mean, like I said, the 10 power is going to be the do all and the 10 power is awesome on a tripod. And I think even I forget that sometimes I'm like, Oh, well, it's not, you know, 12 or 15 or an 18. So I'm not going to put that on my tripod. No, you can put it on tripod and it's going to like, just improve your glass and game tremendously. Uh, and, uh, and really let that optic shine. And the the other plus of that is you're also gonna have a little bit wider field of view. Right. So, um, you know, that can be a, a really, really big deal with, um, but you know a 12 by 50, you know, and Arizona, Utah, uh, you know, just those those open landscape Western states on a tripod. The detail you get with that extra magnification is is super nice. You can glass a little bit further generally. Um, it's kind of on that cusp, like you're talking about, of of that perceived image shake, which is just you know it's it's your hand movement. It's with the 12 power, like you can still hand hold them pretty good. I'd say they're definitely going to perform better on a tripod. So, I lean towards that 12 when it's like I know I'm going to be doing a lot of tripod glassing. It might not be all my glassing, but I know I'm going to be doing a lot of tripod glassing. But I know I can do those quick scans, those quick looks, and and I'm I'm still going to be able to hold them pretty steady. The other thing I like about that is if I was trying to go light and fast, you know, like you know, maybe maybe it's I just I just really am trying to shave weight excuse me, that 12 by 50, um, can allow you to do that. I'm not going to, it's, it's not going to, um, be like as good as if you had like maybe like a 10 by 42 and an 18 by 56. Right. Right. But you can do some pretty serious work with a 12 power and it's your chest vinyl. So you're kind of doing a two for one thing. And then, you know, depending on the hunt, maybe you don't need a spotting scope, right. You know, Maybe, maybe you can get away without a spotting scope, you know, when, you know, when Jim and I were in Arizona, I think probably ninety, ninety five percent of my time was just behind those twelve by fifties. There were certainly situations where it was nice to have the spotting scope <laughs> and use the spotting scope. Right. And we had them with us and we were carrying them. But um you know, you know, whatever your budget or this, that, the other, you know, you could get away without it. I I was hunting bears. And I guess another scenario where I only had a 12 by 50 I was hunting bears in, um, in Western Washington last year. And uh, again, going light and fast. And I carried a 12 by fifties in the tripod. And, and, and I, I left the spotter in the truck, you know, bears, they kind of stand out generally, right. They're not as hard to find as like a deer or something like that. So that was a situation where, you know, like I knew that I would get, I'd be able to do what I needed to do with that set, with that setup.
0: Right No. And I, man, I love the, like you said, the light and fast to be able to quick and have them on you. And then like, Oh, Hey, we're setting up to, to glass these canyons and, and get down in these draws or whatever. And you're able to, you know, pop them up on on the attachment and on your tripod like i just think that's super fast and i would rather carry an extra little pack of uh gummy bears or something <laughs> after being out there man and carrying some extra weight on the on the spotting scope just because of how well they perform you know what i mean and like you said man depending on the hunt yeah like would you rather have that and you're, you're splitting hairs obviously and we haven't had the the experience that experience yet like you have to really say okay this one you definitely want on like i even think too like if we were driving like the binos helped us like when we're driving through there but like maybe a spotting scope would be more ideal in the truck doing all that type of stuff because you're able to you have that attachment for the window and all that type of stuff you know
1: yeah. I mean, yeah, you've got the car window mount you can get out of the truck and, and glass pretty far away. I mean, you can scout other mountains. I mean, you can, you know, you can check access points from super yeah. far away or figure out, okay, that looks like there's a road over there. Like how, how m- might we get over there? So yeah, I definitely don't want to uh, discount uh, how valuable a spotting scope can be. And, right. you know, on, on certain hunts and a lot of hunts, I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those, I mean, it, it is a must have right you know right. uh if you know and then i'm talking about going light and fast with just a pair of 12s but you know if you told me oh we're gonna go rifle hunt coos deer i'd have the fury a bs on my chest I'd, I'd have some 18 by 56 uhds in my top lid and i'd have a 65 or 85 millimeter you know razor spotter in my pack too so it's just it's really you know and you know we're fortunate at vortex we have a lot of access to these things and get to use them and kind of pick and choose and a lot of that we do just to learn them so we can better talk to you know our customers and give them good advice but um yeah it's just every everything every hunt is so specific to its optics needs but um you know, I bought that back down. You can do a heck of a lot with a 10 by 42.
0: Yeah, man. Awesome. Great, great stuff. Well, just because we've thrown out a bunch of different names, you know, just to kind of give individuals a rundown, you know, going with that budget friendly. You have the Crossfire, you have the Diamondbacks, you have the Vipers. Uh, you came out now with the Fury HD with the Rangefinder. It built in on that, correct?
1: Mm -hmm. so yeah so that's that's uh you know the, the fury hd uh 10 by 42 range finding binoculars so we have that unit and then we have another unit that you know it's a range finding binocular but it has uh the uh the on on board um applied ballistic solver so you can go through the process of entering all your ballistic data you're going to get that range but it's also going to give you a, a firing solution so you know what to dial on your scope to dial that elevation and, and execute that long range shot so
0: awesome and then obviously you move up then you have the Ra- ranger hd and then you have the ranger UHD, uh as like that at uh, the best of the best i guess for at the top of the level right
1: yep 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 so yeah you nailed it so yeah crossfire diamondback uh viper hd razor hd and then the razor uhd which um you know i i use those razor uh it's funny you know i was using the razor hd's for a number of years i'm like oh my gosh you can't get any better than this and then we came out with the uhd's i'm like oh yeah i, could, I mean those are great but yeah, these are better. So, uh, they're, they're, that's a pretty special binocular, though. I mean, it's truly they truly are stunning, stunning optics. So. Yeah,
0: well, I man, it's been a while since we've I've been able to make a trip to a Cabela's to see the the rate. I, I I mean, I know it's indoors, so you don't really get a that great of a look. But I'm next time I'm there, I'm going to be like, hey, can I just pull out those uh, <laughs> Razor Razor HDs just to give a look on them? Because, like I said, I'm am dying to to get my hands on on those and the Vipers just to see that. Like I said, I'm. Like I've looked, our buddy Tim that I was talking about, they are actually Toms, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, binos, are another friend of ours because he goes out West too. And they were the 12 by 50s. And I remember like Tim was just like, hey, look through those. And like you said, the magnification was just different. You know what I mean? Like the quality was still phenomenal. It was just, you know, it was just a different look for me. Um, but, uh, you know, when, when we are talking about that, uh stuff mark when we look at the range finders like i said i have the the ranger uh 1800 you know you have the the copperhead you have the impact and the fury b- binos like we talked about in mm-hmm. and the razor hd you know what's the importance of like what goes into the range finder now i know the compensation angle and all that stuff but if you want to kind of dive into a little bit what separates yours like again for me i hate the term you know I, you could people throw it around but like that game changer i mean it's just simple as like going to our local 3d shoots when we go there's the one that we go to it never fails it's in di- deep thick pines dark as heck back there and they throw a black bear target or a jaguar and it's like you can't pick it up unless you have the the vortex rangefinder like seriously like i we've hunt, shot that specific target with multiple people and people are like i don't got it i don't got it i don't got it and i'm like there it goes. It's 53 yards. <laughs> like just because I have that, the like it picks it up.
1: Yeah. I mean that, that illuminated display can be super, super handy. Um, you know, and so I'd say in general, a person's going to see like a black LCDs, uh, display or reticle or, you know, an illuminated one. And, and, you know, all of our illuminated reticles have multiple brightness settings, um, that you can, um, uh, you know, I guess cater it to the situation of you don't want it like, if it's like, uh, if there's not a ton of light out, actually, like it almost seems like counterintuitive, Mm -hmm. but then you don't need as bright of a reticle, you know? And then if it's like super high sun, then you're probably gonna want to crank that thing up so you can, so you can see the reticle. So, um, but yeah, that can be super handy. Like you said, you know, dark, dark targets, you know, and dark backgrounds and, and, uh, having that show up, you know, having the illumination there is certainly a, a big deal. Um, you know, and the optics. You know, you definitely want something with good optics. You know, I'd say a lot of times whitetail hunting, or or you know, and bow hunting or rifle hunting whitetails. Um, it's uh, it's it's nice to be able to use it essentially as a monocular, right? right. So you're generally gonna have uh, six or, uh, in the case of like the razor HD 4,000, uh, range finder, that's a seven power, uh, range finder, but I use that a lot as a handheld optic. I always have it, you know, to the side of my 10 by 42s that I'm carrying white tail hunting. Um, and you know, but for, for quick looks, fast looks, or maybe you're just not sure of something, but you know, you don't want to get your binos all the way out, or maybe you want to have like a little bit more of a discreet movement. Yeah. Um, just picking that, that handheld range finder up. Finding out at least what you need to know, um, that's a big deal. And and the optics in that Razer HD four thousand, they are for a rangefinder. I mean, they are really really good. So I, I use that a lot in that regard. Uh, most of our rangefinders actually have a, a utility clip on the side. Yep. Which um, is like deceivingly useful. Like I remember when we first came out with that. Uh, i was like i don't know man like that which we've had it forever but um i was like ah that seems kind of gimmicky like i'm not sure like i haven't seen that before i i i use that all the time like i'm (laughs) always using that like i can't even imagine having a rangefinder without it so um and i'd say that's you know that's an asset that's something that's pretty unique to a lot of our rangefinders compared to some others that are out there so that's that's definitely like um it seems like a little deal but it's actually a big deal like that's that's a really cool feature no, awesome. I
0: know our, our my buddy Josh Kirschner. I know that's he's using that one, and uh, our our good friend Jim, who hunts here in Pennsylvania, he uses the Ranger. Uh, but I know Josh is using that Ray, Razor HD, and he, he swears by it, loves it. So, uh, Josh
1: is a good dude. He's he's a real real good friend of mine. No, but, dude, he's a stud, man. Super, yeah, he's, super good guy for sure. Yeah. So yeah, he's living, he's living that Arizona life. He yeah, he over is. The yep, last yeah. game out there, but yep. um, you know, and speed, right? You want something that's fast. You want something that's going to give you, you know, a good solid return, you know, when you need it fast. Um, and so yeah, a lot of a lot of factors go into a good rangefinder, but and we've got a, <clears throat> excuse me you know, with all of our optics, we've got a pretty deep lineup, right? We've yeah. got a, a good, solid, you know, good, better, best. Um, we want to have something for everybody, you know, uh, and, uh, and, uh, but we also, I guess within each tier of quality and price, we want to make sure that that person's getting the best optic for their money. Awesome.
2: Well, that's what I even think with, with the angle compensation is huge. You know, whether you're a whitetail hunter or you're a Western hunter, or maybe you're just someone that likes to go shoot at tack, you know, which is going to be very important. I know early on in, in my archery, you know, uh, career and, and hunting that, I didn't really understand that concept and, and, you know, that plays a huge part in your accuracy and, and you don't have that. I mean, you can definitely miss an animal or a target pretty easily.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, you know, going to do some, some, uh, math, which is good because I'm, I'm no math magician. <laughs> so, either. uh, but uh, yeah, that is a super, super handy feature to have, um, you know, and all of our range finders will give you that, that uh, the angle compensated reading or, or for ours, you know, if you look at the terminology, you know, we say HCD, which says, mm-hmm. you, you know, it's horizontal component distance. That That's right. what that stands for. But we also, you can put it in the line of sight mode, which is uh LOS or, you know, that's, that's the short, short form version of it, which can be handy too, right? Because you might have a lot, you know, speaking more for the rifle side of things, but, you know, a long range high angle shot where the horizontal distance really isn't that much, but the time of flight for that bullet is actually going to be a pretty long way. So the wind is going to affect it for that period of time. And there's some other calculations that come into play. So, you know, some, some versatility there, we've got some different modes, you know, particularly in like the razor HD 4,000, And the fury HD, you know, you got your first mode and your last mode, best mode. Uh, that, that best mode is what the range finder is going to come. And it's going to be the one that you use most of the time, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe 90, 95% of the time, but there's some certain situations where. You may want to engage one of those those other modes because maybe you have objects in in the foreground, but you have you know the the target that you're trying to range. You know you want to make sure that you're hitting that. And you're not getting kind of a like a false reading off something that's kind of like interfering in the foreground. Conversely, you might have something in the background, but you're like, no, I'm trying to range that buck, and he's 100 yards in front of that timber line, so I want to make sure I'm getting that buck. And then Jeremy, you were talking about the scan mode. Mm-hmm. Which that's kind of my safety, if yeah. you will. Because I maybe in the heat of the moment I don't want to be switching modes. Yeah. Uh, and so you hit that scan mode, which is essentially you're just holding down the fire button on the rangefinder. Uh, number one, it's nice because I find when you go to click that button, you just it's hard to help but not move the rangefinder a little bit, right? right like you're right. you're you're imparting force on the rangefinder. Um and so, if you but if you hold it down, you can get it back steady. And you know, if you're on that buck, you know, whether if you're bow hunting, you might be like, okay, 32, 32, 32, cool, he's 32. Or if you're rifle hunting, you know, it might be like, okay, 440, 440, 440. Yep, that's that's what I'm re- getting the reading on. And you can even test it by moving off it a little bit. And then you're like, okay, yep, it says, you know, 485. And then I move back on the deer, 440. Yep, that's definitely the range that's what I need to shoot for. So that scan mode is really, really something that I encourage people to to use because it's, it's really handy. You can tell you a lot.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I agree.
2: Yeah. I think, and, and also we've been talking about how great these products are and we haven't even touched the warranty, warranty. that you yeah. guys offer. I mean, uh, I remember when Fortex was just coming into a lot of the gun stores, uh, in this area and this is a long time ago, obviously, but, uh, I was looking at him and, you know, it was something new that I saw and I was talking to the guy behind the counter and, and, uh, he he was saying oh yeah this scope and 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 he's like the warranty that's the first thing he said about it and he's like if you if you throw this under your tr- truck and you run it over they're still going to replace it 100% and and you know that was unheard of back then and i was just like wow really i mean that that is fantastic to have that backing up for for that product
1: yeah, I mean, it, you know, I mean, the, the, the warranty is great and, and really at Vortex and and, and these, uh, you know, values really yeah. go back to Dan and Marty, who are the, the founders of Vortex. And I mean, you know, Vortex, it's a family owned and operated company. And, you know, I mean, they really they treat their employees and, and we try to treat our customers like family. I mean, our, our customers are at the core of everything we do. They're at the core of the products that we make every decision that we make. I mean, our customers really guide the direction of our company. And, and that warranty is a reflection of that. Um, and it truly is. I mean, it's a lifetime unconditional, no fault warranty. There's no paperwork to fill out. If I buy a vortex product and I want to upgrade someday and I sell, you know, my binos to you, that warranty goes with you. I mean, um, we try to keep it as simple as possible. We, we know that the, the environments and the places we take these optics, whether it's for hunting or, or tactical scenarios or, or, or competition shooting, they're oftentimes not the friendliest environments, right? Like, right. We, you know, we take these, you know, to some pretty rugged places and, and they're precision optical instruments and you're using them in some, some pretty rough environments and, and wild things do happen. Uh, uh, you know, and we've got some, some pretty wild stories of things that we've warranted over the years that <laughs> are always interesting and fun. But, um, yeah, I mean, if you're a Vortex customer, I mean, we truly want to take care of you before, during, and after the sale. And, and that warranty is part of that.
0: Yeah, no. And, and the one thing too, like, honestly, you look at, uh, everything that you guys have been doing and not only you make affordable amazing products but when you look and you dive into vortex optics a little bit more man your three pillars the three p's like you were saying like people products and and promises like that's something when you look at it it's easy to support a company that wants to support the buyer and and the customer and you know what also the tactical side of things and the hunters it's just you're supporting the veterans all that stuff it's easy to you know want to as, as a customer to be a part of that and, and uh, purchase products and, and support groups like that.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, and as an employee, I mean, that's something that we're proud of, right? You right. know, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's not fluff, you know I mean? Right. We, we, we mean it. I mean, that, that is the heart of vortex and, you know, we, we certainly try to build our products. So a person never has an issue ever. Right. But like we talked about, I mean, crazy stuff happens, wild stuff happens. And, and we definitely want to want to be there for the customer if if they need us. So
0: awesome, man. Well, I, I have two things with two things left before we get rolling and stuff, but the, the, first one is uh, while we're still talking hunting because i want to talk about the vortex edge place um but uh before before we do that uh i'll kind of lead into to something that i want to talk about in the future but this one is could you share a story so i'm going to put you on the spot a little bit of where a vortex optic piece of equipment has made a huge impact on a hunt for you
1: Oh man. I'd say every hunt in the last 13 years. Um, <laughs> golly. Um, there's probably so many, it's like, it's hard for me to, uh, to think about it. Well, okay. I'll think of this is just one. this is one for instance of, of many. Okay. But, um, was, uh, coosier hunting in, uh, in Arizona and tough hunt. Uh, just not seen a lot of deers that, that early October hunt. So it's like, it's hot, like the deer aren't moving. Um, and we finally got on a buck pretty much the last day that we had to hunt and got in there. Uh, one of the guys has was spotted this buck got on, him, ranged him at 525, uh, dialed the Viper HSLR LR up you know had had some good dope for it that scope tracks super true it's still one of my favorite scopes to this day I've killed a lot of critters with it and yeah i mean broke the shot perfect shot 25 25 and you know he tipped over and that was just like that that was super cool the sun the sun was just like just starting to peak over the horizon you know we knocked that deer down and the sun came up and i don't know it was cool it's like yeah that's how it's supposed to work right
0: heck yeah man that's awesome i i love it no i uh You know mine for let's talk about uh one for me for this past season uh it was late season and and here in pennsylvania as far as uh, archery season goes so it was in january and uh and yeah yeah, it was in january so i got up to a, a i had opportunity to go hunt some private land i got permission on on this land and i got set up and when i was in my saddle i'm like man I don't know if I really liked this tree. And I kind of had like, I was in there for a couple of days already. And I've, I kind of knew the area a little bit and I was like, I should be maybe 15 yards over. And I was like, ah, I'm pretty quick at getting up and down right now. Like for doing it all season. I should, I get down and, and move, make a move. But before I do that, let me just do my Western style hunting and let me scan. <laughs> let oh, me, you know, called, right. So if, like I said, we had snow on the ground. So if, if, I start panning and as I'm looking with my naked eye cuz I I was panning from my left to my right and I I just I put it down for a hot second and I'm looking I'm like is that a stump like that that doesn't look familiar I put up the the binos the next thing you know there's a, a doe bedded and I was just trying to fill the freezer so like if dough, if I mean I didn't fill my buck tag that last year so if it was also there was a 7 point in that area I was also going after late in the season that was still holding on and as this doe got up, I was, it was muleing around a little bit. And I was like, all right, well, I'm not getting down, obviously, because it was only about 55 yards. I ended up ranging her. And next thing you know, another doe just came down the trail where I was hoping, it, you know, magic would happen, basically have a shot opportunity. And that doe did come. And uh, I got a shot and filled the freezer with, with that last my last doe tag of the year. So. My story was that I, I used my Western-style hunting. I was able to pan, and uh, I, I obviously my rangefinder worked great too in, in that situation just because I've, I I ranged a couple spots, like Dimitri said, of, okay, if this doe walks on that trail and hits that spot, I know it's exactly 25 yards. I put my dial to 25. I was good. Boom. Uh, and that's all she wrote for that. So that, that's my story from this past year
1: that dude that is so cool and that is such a good good tip always give it just one one more <laughs> good glass before you get up or i just i can't even count the times where you're just like dude we've been here for hours like nothing's happened we've been glassing our eyeballs out and then you're just like you you either get lazy and get up and yeah. spook something or you glass one more time like oh my gosh like you know i yeah. mean so that, that's a good tip. Glass yeah. one more time. Just one yeah.
0: more time. Well, yeah, one more time, one more <laughs> time. Well, man, talk about the, the vortex edge place. just because, uh, that, that place looks like <laughs> that's every dude's
2: dream. that yeah. wants to have a birthday party or batch <laughs> bachelor party wants to come there.
1: Yeah, man, it, it's, it's super cool. And, and it's just another area we're super blessed. And, and again, it goes back to serving our customers. Right. So, I mean, you know, and, 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 you know, the, the company had the vision to, to create that facility. Um, you know, we, we run classes there, we run trainings mm-hmm. there. Uh, so, you know, there's classrooms and then we also have, have the awesome. shooting ranges. So we have a, um, uh, 50 yard dynamic range, right? So you can essentially set it up so you can shoot from any point on that 50 yard range. Um, so we do a lot of pistol and carbine classes there, things of that nature. You can create, you know, multiple lighting scenarios. So you can go complete dark and do night vision training. Um, amazing, they have, it's, I mean, it, it's wild, man. They can, they can create different lighting scenarios with like, you know, the flashing lights. That feels like an LE scenario where you've got, you know, the red and blues going, kind of creating those types of distractions and having to navigate, you know, that type of scenario. Uh, so that's, that's a really cool range. The targets, you know, they, they, they can move fore and aft. They, they can turn the targets. You can create hostage situations with the targets by overlapping them. I mean, it, it's pretty wild. Um, and then we have uh, a hundred yard range. So a hundred yard indoor range, which that's probably one of the very few actually yeah. in the country. Um, we use that a lot as well. We've got a 25 yard range where we do a lot of pistol stuff. I think there's, there's an, another 25 yard range where we do a lot of product testing, which that's more like a lot of like durability testing or things like that, where you just need to do like essentially massive ammo dumps to test a product, which actually would make a person <laughs> cry nowadays. Right. Yeah. But, right. Um, but those guys that's probably what they are doing they're they're, they're shooting and crying at the same time now like, I'm so <laughs> sorry wasting all this but you're not wasting it yeah. It's for the good of the cost but yeah. um and uh yeah and then we have uh we have a virtuous system where uh it's actually kind of like a 360 uh type um almost like these giant tv screens that have you know any scenario under the sun that you can dial up for training and it really um realistic high stress scenarios um that at the end of the day are you know low consequence right but um you know and and the edge guys man they, they can they can speak to all this stuff way better than i can um you know the instructors that we have down there but you know you really are training yourself for when you get in that real situation like you know what you're going to do and and right. yeah they, they have you know i mean they can pretty much like i said they can dial up pretty much any any scenario under the sun there uh, and then we have the shoot house too where we uh, you can do simunition training so you're actually doing not live fire training but you have right. the simulation uh guns and you can do um you know interior uh trainings there as well so kind of simulating you know the interior of a building or whatever scenario you want to set up so freaking unbelievable
0: well i thought it was cool too because i saw eric did the uh little shotgun uh you know demo with four tens and and the 12 gauge and 20 gauge and i thought that was pretty cool just to see because i know right now the big movement is the using uh 410 right now and uh it was just neat to just see that you have that ability to to do that i mean obviously people could go do that in your backyard and you can make a video but you know, just seeing that like at the vortex edge was, was pretty cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's super handy, you know, and like it says, you know, we can, we can do trainings there, you know, and, and, and train customers. We can do product testing there. I'm um, not going to lie. It's pretty handy when you need to zero a rifle click over yeah. your lunch break. Um, <laughs> but uh so yeah, it, it's awesome. And actually I forgot, I forgot to mention we have an outdoor facility as well where you can shoot, I think to uh, you know, beyond a thousand yards there. So yeah, nice. um, and do some, do long range training there. So yeah, I mean, just a lot of versatility and, and you can do a lot of really fun stuff there. So
0: awesome, Mark. Well, man, I, I greatly, thank you so much. Appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing, talking some hunting and talking just about what vortex is about just because man, I I love the products. And uh, like you, like Dimitri said earlier, you can kind of see what kind of people you all are just by what you put out there. And it's fun to watch. And uh, you know I, I i love the support of what what you guys are all doing for, for us as con, uh customers and everything like that so uh you know where could people you know fall fall along with with some vortex nation information
1: man i'd say you know um you know all the social platforms you know the social teams always on point there doing a doing a great job you know and whether you have a question or just need some uh some free entertainment uh, <laughs> those guys are always doing doing a good job Um, give us a call, man. You know, I mean, I mean, we, we really are there. We've got a team of of folks that are just so well-versed and, every fast, but just not, not just the optics. I mean, right. if you're using your optics for a certain application, we have somebody at vortex that's doing that same thing. And, and they're going to know what rifle you have. They're going to know how to mount it on that rifle or how you're using that rifle or the optic that's going to be best for what you're doing with that rifle or pistol or whatever. It could be archery, competition, shooting, hunting. You know, I mean, if you got a question, you know, definitely reach out. We're happy to talk on the phone, like I said, but you know, all the social platforms, you can shoot us an email, whatever. Um, We definitely want to hear from, from you guys. So.
0: Awesome, Mark. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Everybody go follow Vortex Nation and Vortex Optics and uh, Vortex Wear. Some really cool things and uh, best of luck to you, Mark, on, on your spring little turkey trip and then going up to Alaska here for some, some bear and some good, awesome fishing. Uh, appreciate you coming on, man. And, uh, everybody go check it out. Thank you again for supporting us and listening. And until next time, antler up. And that's a wrap for another episode of the antler up podcast. Thanks again, Mark, for coming out. Everybody go check out, uh, what vortex has to offer. We truly mean it. Great products, great people. And, uh, just, uh, hopefully you are enjoying that time. We got youth season coming up here soon with, uh, for PA and Turkey and, uh, Man, I don't know how much time I'm going to have to get after it, but I'm going to try to make every chance I get count. We got our bows dialed in. It's getting ready for tack. Man, it's right around the corner. A couple months we'll be getting ready to get in there after tack the woods. But until then, enjoy that time with family. Check out antlerupoutdoors.com. Check out our Instagram.
1: Subscribe to our YouTube. Until next time, antler up.